Hello, and welcome back to the FRCR 2B podcast from Radiology Jam. Our sixth episode is MSK, or musculoskeletal imaging. MSK imaging forms the bulk of the FRCR 2B exam. From rapids to long cases, and also in the viva, there are some classic cases that you just have to know. Learn the common skeletal manifestations of systemic diseases, such as sickle cell or hyperparathyroidism. Learn the common traumatic injuries to the knee and learn the various arthritides that can affect the hands and feet. All of these cases often come up. This podcast is the work of the Radiology Jam team, but could not have been created without the guidance of trainers at Imperial College Radiology Training Scheme, fantastic online resources, and a multitude of dedicated radiology textbooks. For the full dedication list, please visit our website, www.radiologyjam.com, and check out the specific page, to be how to. Ivory vertebra is most commonly associated with Paget's disease, but there are numerous other causes. Infections such as TB, benign lesions such as hemangioma are all in the differential. However, malignancy must always be excluded. Lymphoma and other infiltrative diseases, sclerotic metastases such as breast or prostate, in adults, and medulloblastoma and neuroblastoma in children, and finally, primary bone tumours such as chordomas or osteosarcomas. Chondroblastomas are rare lesions that occur in the epiphyses of long bones in children. They tend to be well-defined, lucent lesions with a thin rim of sclerosis, and calcification can be seen in about 50%. Sometimes there's periosteal reaction. They're low signal T1, variable signal T2, depending on the amount of chondroid matrix and calcification. There's often significant surrounding edema, and that can extend into the soft tissues. They have increased uptake on bone scans. Unfortunately, they have a similar, nearly identical imaging to clear cell chondrosarcoma, and therefore biopsy is needed. The ACL attaches from the lateral femoral condyle to the intercondylar abdominis of the tibia. The ACL provides stability to the knee joint. Most ACL tears occur in the middle aspect of the ligament, but can attach at either attachment sites. Primary signs of an ACL tear include non-visualisation on MR, focal or diffuse increased T2 signal intensity within the ligament, focal discontinuity, a change in the angle or a wavy contour, and loss of blue menthol's line. Secondary signs of an ACL tear include a joint effusion, kissing contusions involving the lateral femoral condyle and the lateral tibia, anterior displacement of the tibia, and a deeper lateral femoral sulcus. ACL tears can coexist with other knee pathology, including posterior lateral corner injuries, meniscal tears, medial collateral ligament tears, lateral tibial patellar factors such as leg on fractures. PCL tears and cartilage damage. Bowed tibia in children can be idiopathic, but several conditions are associated with bowing. Rickets is probably the most common, but Blount's disease, osteogenesis imperfecta, neurofibromatosis, and achondroplasia should also be considered. These conditions are all distinctive, and therefore the bone density the direction of the bowing and the metaphyses should be analysed. Osteogenesis imperfecta will have osteopenia. Often will have fractures and pseudoarthroses.
Rickets will have characteristic frayed, splayed and cupped metaphyses with widened growth plates. And if the chest is imaged, ricketry rosary should be considered. Neurofibromatosis has a typically anterior lateral tibial bowing at the junction of the middle and distal third of the tibia. There is often fibular hypoplasia, a gracile fibula, and a pseudoarthrosis. Other things to consider are ribbon ribs, sphenoid wing dysplasia, defect at the lamboidal suture, posterior vertebral scalloping, kyphoscoliosis, and any soft tissue lesions demonstrated. This is for neurofibromatosis 1. Achondroplasia has a bowed tibia, flared metastases and shortening of the long bones. There are typical spinal and pelvic features including posterior vertebral scalloping which was also seen in NF1. Achondroplasia has posterior vertebral scalloping with decreased caudal interpendicular distance and tombstone iliac wings and horizontal sacrum. In the older population, Paget's disease can cause anterior bowing, cortical thickening, coarse intrabecular and a banana inconsistency fracture or flame-like on the bone scan. Only consider Paget's if they're over 40. Normal bone marrow signal is higher T2 than the adjacent normal intervertebral disc. If there is marrow infiltration, then there is a global reduction in the T1 signal. And the differential for this are metastases, myeloma, lymphoma and leukemia, myelofibrosis and mastocytosis. If there is very low T1 and very low T2, then the differential is slightly narrowed to include sclerotic metastases, of which breast and prostate are the most common, mastocytosis, myelofibrosis. Whether there is T1 or T1 and T2 low signal, these appearances are that of diffuse marrow infiltration and helpful to look for causes. So are there lots of enlarged retroperitoneal nodes to suggest leukemia? Is there splenomegaly to suggest myelofibrosis or mastocytosis? Is there an incidental lung or renal mass to suggest a metastatic process. Also worth considering these appearances in a child could be secondary to osteopetrosis. Markedly short fourth and fifth metacarpals can occur secondary to hypoparathyroidism, pseudohypoparathyroidism, trauma and Turner's syndrome which is 45x. Causes of hyperostosis frontalis these include fibrous dysplasia, Paget's disease, and scleretal metastases. Other causes are just that of a big head, so acromegaly and Morgani syndrome, which is young women, virilism, hirsutism, obesity, and a big head. And finally, meningiomas can cause reactive hyperostosis around them, which could be in the frontal region, hence hyperostosis frontalis. Sacroiliitis can be divided into bilateral or unilateral. Unilateral sacroiliitis is secondary to OA or infections such as TB. Bilateral sacroiliitis can be divided into asymmetric and symmetric. Asymmetric, where one side is worse than the other, 
is secondary to rhytis or psoriatic arthritis. Bilateral symmetrical sacroiliitis is most commonly due to ankylizing spondylitis, but other causes include hyperparathyroidism, where you get widening of the joint as there is resorption of the bone. Inflammatory bowel disease, rheumatoid arthritis and gout can all cause bilateral symmetrical sacroiliitis. Sclerotic metastases are also known as blastic bony metastases and most commonly arise from prostate or breast primary. However, they can also occur from colon or gastric carcinomas, TCC, carcinoid, small cell lung cancer and lymphoma. In the paediatric population, it is worth considering medulloblastoma, neuroblastoma and again lymphoma. Myelofibrosis is bone marrow fibrosis that most commonly occurs secondary to leukaemia, lymphoma or metastatic disease. Primary sites of active hematopoiesis are affected first, including the vertebra, ribs and pelvis, and then secondary sites in the long bones are affected. Myelofibrosis manifests as very low signal intensity marrow on all sequence on MRI, and on radiographs or CT it looks like diffuse sclerosis. Aneurysmal bone cysts occur in those less than 30 years old. The most common site are the long bones around the knee, the proximal femur, and also in the spine, the posterior elements. They are well-defined, expansile, lytic, bony lesions. They occur in the metaphysis, but can extend into the epiphysis. They can also occur in pre-existing lesions such as GCTs, which tend to be eccentric and epiphyseal. Aneurysmal bone cysts are well-defined with a narrow zone of transition and on radiographic imaging can look multiloculated. On MRI, they have fluid, fluid levels. And the main differential is a telangiectatic osteosarcoma, which is concerning and should be excluded and mentioned in the differential. The main avenue to exclude this is to look for periosteal reaction or any aggressive features. Aneurysmal bone cysts are non-aggressive lesions. Giant cell tumours are expansile lytic bone lesions that occur in closed epiphyses. They're well-defined with non-sclerotic margin and are found in an eccentric position at the epiphysis. They abut the articular surface. They most commonly occur adjacent to the knee, also in the distal radius and sacrum. Of note, aneurysmal bone cysts can form within giant cell tumours. GCTs are non-aggressive, but they can um, develop into having an aggressive GCT. <clears throat> if there's any permissive features, soft tissue mass, periosteal reaction or cortical breakthrough, then an aggressive GCT should be considered. Avascular necrosis occurs secondary to trauma, infection, radiotherapy, steroid therapy, or in alcoholism. In the context of the two Bs, it is most commonly seen in sickle cell disease. Ankylizing spondylitis is a HLA B27 arthropathy, which is characterized by back pain stiffness and is more commonly seen in men. Radiographic features include squaring of the vertebra, syndesmophyte formation, digospine, and sacroiliitis. The hip joints can be involved and there may be a hip replacement or destructive 
change there. Other associations are you see iritis, aortitis, pulmonary fibrosis, which tends to be in the upper lobes. Treatment is with analgesia, physiotherapy, infliximab and hip replacements. And MRI is useful for further assessment. Rib and ribs deformity is seen in four major conditions, neurofibromatosis type 1, osteogenesis imperfecta, Edwards syndrome and Gorham disease. In neurofibromatosis, their rib and ribs is caused due to multiple neurofibromas in the intercostal nerves. Osteogenesis imperfecta is a collagen disease which affects type 1 collagen production, affects the connective tissues and the bones. Edwards syndrome is a trisomy um, and it has wide-ranging effects as part of a syndrome. Finally, Gorham's disease is also known as vanishing bone disease. It's a rare condition which manifests with progressive massive osteolysis and proliferation of many thin-walled vascular channels, also known as Gorham stout disease or phantom bone disease. The fallen fragment sign is most commonly associated with unicameral bone cysts, also known as simple bone cysts. However, it is seen in other conditions such as aneurysmal bone cysts, giant cell tumours, brown tumours, fibrous dysplasia and enchondromas. So there are five different differentials for a fallen fragment sign. That's a simple bone cyst, also known as a unicameral bone cyst, an ABC, a brown tumour, fibrous dysplasia or enchondroma. Psoriatic arthritis is a bilateral disease that is asymmetrical. It is not symmetrical. It tends to affect the distal joints. The distal interphalangeal joints are commonly affected. You have loss of joint space, marginal erosions, and this resorption can cause quite severe deformities, including pencil and cup deformities. There can be associated swelling of the soft tissues, which is known as dactylitis or a sausage finger. And this can lead to quite severe pain. Of note, there is no osteopenia. Bone density is maintained and that sets it apart from rheumatoid arthritis. You can get some bone proliferation and in severe cases you can get ankylosis of joints which then can progress to arthritis mutilans. Treatments with NSAIDs, corticosteroids and topical skin creams if skin creams present. When it's very severe, DMARDs can be used. Vertebral planar can be secondary to Langerhans cell, cystiocytosis, skeletal dysplasias, or Gaucher's disease. It can also be secondary to trauma, sterotherapy, infection, or metastatic disease, which in children can be neuroblastoma or leukemia. Paget's disease is characterized by bone resorption followed by immature bone deposition. You get lytic, 
mixotoxic and sclerotic phases of the disease. In the lytic phase, there are flame-shaped lytic areas, particularly subarticular, and including osteoporosis circumscripta. This is then followed by coarsening of the primary trabricular, cortical thickening, and loss of the normal corticomedullary junction. Also described as cotton wool sclerosis. In the skull, you can have expansion of the diploic scase, foraminal narrowing, and in the bones, you can get picture frame vertebra and bowing. In Paget's disease, you'll have a raised acid phosphatase. Sorry, a raised alkaline phosphatase. Permitive lucent appearances of the bones with a wide zone of transition, cortical destruction, periosteal reaction, all fits with a aggressive disorder. Metastases is probably the most common, but lymphoma, leukemia and myeloma should be considered, as well as infection, osteomyelitis. Causes of acroosteolysis. Number one, hyperparathyroidism, so raised parathyroid. Number two, psoriatic arthritis. Number three, scleroderma. There is then an extensive list of things like polyvinyl chloride, exposure, rainals, frostbite, and more minor things. But the top three differentials are hyperparathyroidism, scleroderma, and psoriatic arthritis. Atlantoaxial instability occurs when there is widening of the predental space for more than three millimetres in an adult. It is best diagnosed on flexion and extension views. On a flexion view, the predental space will appear wide, and on the extension view, it will be corrected back to normal, and that shows that the joint is unstable. Most common cause is rheumatoid arthritis, and you will see panis around the dens. This tends to be bright on T1 and enhances. Other causes include CPPD, gout, and amyloid arthropathy. In rheumatoid arthritis, the hypertrophied synovium, which is the panis, can weaken or rupture the supporting ligaments, and that leads to atlantic instability in up to 50% of patients. You also can get cranial migration of the C2 vertebra, which is known as basilar invagination. Medical treatment of rheumatoid arthritis plus or minus surgical stabilisation is needed. An MRI of the spine must be performed to check the spinal cord. PVNS is a benign abnormal proliferation of the synovium. It is typically intraarticular and typically affects the knee or the hip joint. You get a large joint effusion and you can have erosions or subchondral cysts, but the joint space is actually preserved, which differentiates it from arthritis. PVNS is associated with hemorrhage, and on MRI you'll see a low T1 and low T2 due to hemosiderin deposition, and you'll get a blooming artifact on gradient echo. The treatment is synovectomy, and incomplete resection gives you high recurrence rates. Idiopathic osteonecrosis of the femoral epiphyses in children is known as Perthes disease. It is a diagnosis of exclusion, and other causes of osteonecrosis should be ruled out. These include sickle cell disease, leukaemia, 
steroid administration and Goucher disease. These should all cause bilateral osteonecrosis. Goucher's disease is the most common lysosomal storage disease in humans. It's autosomal recessive, multi-system, and due to lipid function, causing accumulation of lipids in macrophages, which affects the bone marrow, spleen, and liver, and of course can cause bilateral osteonecrosis of the femoral heads in children. Causes of osteosclerosis, that is dense bones in children, are Firstly, osteopetrosis, which includes diffuse sclerosis and Erlenmeyer flask deformity of the tubular bones. Osteopetrosis is a hereditary disorder and causes defective osteoclast function with failure of proper reabsorption and remodelling, leading to sclerotic brittle bones. Other causes are pikin dysostosis, renal osteodystrophy, hypervitaminosis D and hypervitaminosis A, and fluorosis. Cyst-like bone lesions of the phalanxes include implantation dermoids, glomus tumours, gout, rheumatoid arthritis, and endocondoma. Scleroderma is a systemic sclerosis. It's a multi-system connective tissue disorder which causes esophageal dilatation, lower zone interstitial fibrosis, bowel dilatation of the small bowel with crowding of the valvulae conventes causing a stack of coin appearance on bearing study, acroosteolysis and tightening of soft tissues, periarticular calcification which is known as calcinosis circumscripta and rarely superior rib notching. Diffuse periosteal reaction in adults has a short differential. HPOA or HOA is the most important condition to consider. Hypertrophic osteoarthropathy is a paraneoplastic syndrome characterised by periosteal new bone formation, clubbing of the digits and arthritis. Radiographically, there is smooth and uniform periosteal new bone formation, which occurs during the diaphyses and metaphyses of the distal long bones, and occasionally the bones of the hands. Clubbing in the fingertips and soft tissue swelling are frequently seen. HOA or HPOA is smooth, bilateral, symmetrical, diaphyseal and metaphyseal periosteal reaction. Spares the epiphyses often in the long bones and sometimes the smaller bones of the hands and feet. You can have associated lithic bone lesions if there's metastases. Fundamentally, a chest x-ray should be performed to look for an underlying lung malignancy. Causes of HOA or HPOA include bronchogenic carcinoma, abscess or bronchiectasis in the lung, pleural fibromas or mesotheliomas, cardiac cyanotic heart disease and cirrhosis or inflammatory bowel disease in the tummy. Symmetrical smooth periosteal reaction is most likely due to HPOA. Other causes include thyroid acropathy, where you typically have a spiculated fluffy periostitis which is asymmetrical and the hands and feet are involved but not the long bones, can be associated with soft tissue swelling.
venous insufficiency, which is in the lower limb, with thick undulating periosteal reactions, phleboliths, and soft tissue defects or bandages due to ulceration. And finally, primary HOA, which is pachydermoperiostitis, can affect the epiphyses and tendon insertions and metaphyses. It's rare, often seen in black adults. It's very, very pronounced appearances of periostitis. Does not look like HPOA, which is smooth, bilateral, symmetrical, and common in exams. Madelung deformity is a bowing of the distal radius, which leads to a dorsal subluxation of the distal radio ulna joint. Causes include Turner syndrome, nail patella syndrome, difficile aclasia, also known as hereditary multiple exostoses, hurlers achondroplasia, Ollier's disease. Osteoid osteoma is a benign bone-forming tumours that typically occur in children, often adolescents. They have a characteristic lucent nidus, which is less than 2 centimetres, and surrounding solid periosteal reaction. They classically cause night pain, which is revealed by NSAIDs, like aspirin. So the age of presentation is between 10 and 35, present with nocturnal pain, if they're in the spine, they can cause painful scoliosis, concave on the side of the lesion. Can be related to soft tissue swelling, but not often. However, there is often joint effusion. Most common in the long bones of the limbs, the femur and the tibia, also within the vertebra and the phalanges in 20%. CT is the best choice. You can see a lucent nidus with the surrounding sclerotic reactive bone. It will be hot on a bone scan which shows a double density sign which is highly specific and the central focus does show intense out uptake and then nothing and then uptake around the rim. MRI is not as sensitive. Um, you can see lots of bony edema and um, hyperemia. The signal intensity of the nidus is variable as is the degree of contrast enhancement. So the patients are referred to a bone centre and they undergo radiofrequency ablation under CT guidance. Um, this has got a good prognosis. Lateral clavicle resorption is typically associated with rheumatoid arthritis. Other causes include scleroderma and hyperparathyroidism. If it's unilateral, trauma and infection should also be considered. Neopatella syndrome is also known as Fong's disease and is also a more dominant condition which causes symmetrical mesodermal ectodermal abnormalities. Classically you get absent nails or hyperplastic nails and an absent patella. You can also have posterior iliac horns called fongs, prongs, protuberant anterior iliac spines, scoliosis, clinoctactyl, short fifth metatarsals, renal osteodystrophy and uh, hyperplasia of the radial head which can lead to subluxation. Clinoctactyly means that you have radial angulation of the interphalangeal joint in the radial ulna or palmar planes it typically affects the fifth finger but they also have a short fifth anyway 
Sacral insufficiency fractures occur due to normal stresses on weakened bone. So commonly this is elderly women with osteoporosis. Other predisposing factors are rheumatoid arthritis, chronic corticosteroid use and pelvic radiation therapy. They present with back pain which can relate it to the hip or groin. Nuclear medicine is diagnostic and there is a typical H-shaped configuration on a bone scan. This is known as the Honda sign. It is difficult to evaluate the sacrum on plain radiograph as the bowel gas is often overlying. However, on CT you can look for a lucent fracture line, cortical disruption or sclerotic bands. A magnetic resonance study could be more helpful with a low T1 fracture line and increased T2 signal around it as it's marrow edema. Osteoarthritis typically happens at the weight-bearing joints in the hands. It is demonstrated with asymmetrical joint space narrowing, sclerosis of the subchondral bone, osteophyte formation, subchondral cystic change, and some relevant negatives such as periarticular osteopenia is not present in OA, and there are no erosions in OA. OA of the hand happens at the first CMC joints, the DIPs, often the second DIP, and the PIPs. You can get some soft tissue swelling surrounding these joints. Hebden nodes is around the DIP and Bouchard's nodes is around the PIP. The shoulder, feet, knee and hips and spine are commonly involved. It's important to note that the knee is the medial femoral compartment, which is the weight-bearing type. And in the hip, you have superior lateral migration amongst all the other features. And this is the different direction to rheumatoid, where it's axial in the middle. And in the spine, at the sacroiliac joints, it's only the inferior portion of the sacroiliac joint that is a synovial joint, and therefore it is only that portion, the inferior portion, that is affected in OA. OA of the spine looks different to diffuse idiopathic skeletal hypostosis, which is called DISH. DISH is a completely degenerative disc disease and it's completely separate. It has exuberant exophytosis and it is defined as flowing, bridging anterior osteophytes spanning at least four vertebral levels with normal disc spaces and normal sacroiliac joints. It is of unknown etiology, often happens um, in elderly patients and is associated with ossification of the posterior longitudinal ligament which may be a cause of spinal stenosis and should be best viewed on CT. Erosive osteoarthritis is a separate but important condition. It has some erosions as in the name but all the other features of OA in the same locations and the characteristic feature is a gullwing appearance of the DIP joint due to central erosion and marginal osteophytes and this is erosive OA typically affects elderly females. Rheumatoid arthritis is a symmetrical deforming proximal erosive arthropathy that affects the middle metacarpal phalangeal joints of both hands with associated periarticular osteoporosis. There are other thoracic manifestations such as lower zone interstitial fibrosis, rheumatoid nodules which may cavitate, pleural thickening and effusions, and sometimes superior rib notching. 
Other joints can be involved, including the glenohumeral joints, and you can get loss of the subacromial space due to rotator cuff arthropathies and tears. Lateral clavicle erosion is a typical feature of rheumatoid arthritis. Gout is due to hyperuricemia and can be idiopathic or related to other disorders, such as hypothyroidism, glomerulonephritis and glycogen storage disorders. Primary gout is due to an inborn metabolic error and it's more common in men, typically occurs in the fifth decade. You get monosodium urate crystals deposited within the joint which causes periarticular soft tissues or gouty tophi. You see well-defined erosions which are often considered punched out with sclerotic margins and overhanging edges. The big toe metatarsal phalangeal joint is typical. Tarsal joints and interphalangeal joints, the hands are also often affected. Joint spaces and bone density of the remaining bones are actually generally preserved until late on in the disease. So it's helpful to distinguish this from rheumatoid arthritis, which has early periarticular osteopenia. Tophaceous gout is a specific entity, but is worth considering. Gout crystals are urate, needle-shaped, and negatively biofringent to polarised light. Pseudogout, or calcium pyrophosphatase dehydrate crystals, CPPD, are rhomboid straight and positively biofringent. CPPD arthropathy is calcium pyrophosphate dehydrogenate. It is the most common crystalline arthropathy. Radiographic appearances are a bit like OA. You have symmetric joint space narrowing, subchondral cysts and osteophytes. But unlike rheumatoid arthritis, you do not have erosions. In the hand, the arthropathy tends to be at the MCP joints and chondrocalcinosis is often present, most frequently in the triangular fibre cartilage of the wrist. You also get hook-like osteophytes. You get a bilateral involvement, but it can be asymmetric. Hemochromatosis has a predilection for the second and third MCP joints, and you get subchondral cysts and hooked-like osteophytes. As in CPD arthropathy, chondrocalcinosis can also occur, and bone mineralization is also preserved, and there are no erosions has very similar appearance to CPPD and cannot be told apart on a radiograph. Erosive osteoarthritis is also known as inflammatory osteoarthritis and most commonly affects the hands of postmenopausal women. It's distal and tends to affect the distal interphalangeal joints and the proximal interphalangeal joints, but also you can see it at MCP or large joints such as the hips and knees. The distribution looks the same as normal OA, but you get central erosions, which is not seen in normal OA. Ankylosis of the joints may occur and there is some crossover with other inflammatory arthropathies. It can look a little bit like psoriatic. Essentially, if you see OA in an OA distribution, but there's erosions, then think of erosive OA. Sarcoidosis of the hand has a lace-like trabecular pattern which is destructive and can cause cystic appearing areas, although they are not true cysts. There is extensive erosion of the bone and these are prone to pathological fractures.
that it can be associated with myopathy in nodules, but these are not like gouty tophi, which have a low signal MR. Sarcoidosis nodules have a high signal on MR. You can also have acroosteolysis and diffuse vertebral sclerosis. But chest signs are much more common than skeletal sarcoid. And so a chest radiograph should also be reviewed. Synovial osteochondromatosis can be primary or secondary. Primary is known as Raquel's disease. On radiograph, you see dense calcifications, which are well-defined within the synovium and erosion of the adjacent bone. These are multiple lucencies seen in the adjacent bone. Secondary synovial osteochondromatosis typically occurs after trauma, but can also occur after arthritis, namely osteoarthritis or a neuropathic arthritis. Physiological periosteal reaction occurs up to six months of age, and that's normal. Essentially, new bone is forming, and this process is beautifully symmetrical. It affects the humerus, femur, and the tibia bilaterally. After six months, it is not considered to be physiological. If it looks asymmetrical, then you need to think about infantile cortical hypostosis, also known as Caphis disease. And these patients have fever, irritability, and asymmetrical periosteal reaction involving the long bones, ribs, scapula, and mandible. But if it's beautifully symmetrical and thin, then that's a normal physiological periosteal reaction up to the age of six months. Scleroderma has several musculoskeletal features. Bone changes include joint space and narrowing, periarticular osteoporosis and erosions. Severe bony resorption occurs and typically this is at the distal phalanges known as acroosteolysis and at the first CMC joint which causes radial subluxation and this is a characteristic feature on hand radiographs. There are also soft tissue changes, subcutaneous and periarticular calcification, atrophy, especially at the distal fingertips, and this fits with the acroosteolysis. So you get resorption of the bone fingertips, but also the soft tissue in that area, and flexion contractures. This fits with the typical features on the face, that kind of beaking around the mouth of systemic sclerosis. Other bones that undergo resorption include the ribs, the mandibular angle, and the radius and ulna. But typical features of scleroderma are acroosteolysis, erosions, joint space narrowing, osteoporosis, and soft tissue calcification. Melorheostosis is also known as Larry's disease. It is a rare mesenchymal dysplasia that gives a typical dripping candle wax or flowing candle wax appearance. It is a disease of adolescence or early adulthood and is characterised by multiple areas of increased bone density, marked thickening of the cortex, which has an undulating appearance, and this gives rise to the dripping candle wax appearance of the hyperostotic bone. Its distribution is in a single sclerotome, and this is what distinguishes it from other diseases. On bone scan, it is hot and has a similar appearance to Paget's. Clinically, associated sclerotomic skin changes will be demonstrated with thickening and fibrosis of the overlying skin and hyperpigmentation. 
there is likely to be muscle atrophy and other tumours such as muscular malformations, osteosarcoma and fibrous tumours have a higher association. Dermatomyositis is an autoimmune condition that affects striated muscles and skin. It causes inflammation and muscle atrophy, which leads to calcification and fibrosis. This calcification is typically symmetrical and sheet-like within the soft tissues. The muscle atrophy can be seen as fatty infiltration. The inflammation, muscle atrophy, calcification and fibrosis eventually leads to flexion contractions and ulceration. Of note, there is an increased risk of malignancy, particularly of the ovaries, lung and gastrointestinal tract. Dermatomyositis also is associated with basal interstitial fibrosis and aspiration pneumonia. And this is because pharyngeal muscles become weak and there's an increased risk of aspiration. Creatinine kinase is monitored to assess disease activity. Electromyography can confirm the presence of myopathy, but fundamentally a rheumatology referral is needed. Slack wrist, which stands for scapholunate advanced collapse, occurs secondary to trauma, rheumatoid arthritis and CPPD. It occurs because of disruption of the scaphoelunate ligament and results in scaphoelunate dissociation with widening of the scaphoelunate interval and abnormal biomechanics in the proximal carpal row. Over time, the abnormal kinetics result in proximal migration of the capitate with progressive cartilage loss at the capitate lunate joint, as well as additional loss of cartilage at the scaphoelunate joint and the radioscaphoid joint. Surgical options include proximal row carpectomy or wrist fusion. The imaging signs to look for are widening of the scaphoelunate interval, which is also called scaphoelunate dissociation, severe cartilage loss at the capitate lunate and radioscaphoid joints. And you can get DISI, which is dorsal intercalated segmental instability which is commonly associated with a slack wrist. A DISI deformity is diagnosed when the angle formed by the axes of the scaphoid and lunate is greater than 60 degrees on the lateral view. Hyperparathyroidism is the uncontrolled excess production of parathyroid hormone. Primary is due to a parathyroid adenoma, or rarely a carcinoma, and secondary is in response to chronic renal failure and low calcium levels, causing release of the parathyroid hormone. There are numerous radiological features. Firstly, bone resorption. This can happen at the distal phalanxes known as acroosteolitis, the radial margins of the middle phalanxes, and also the ribs, humeri, femora. Lateral clavicles is a typical place. Brown tumours are lytic bone lesions, which are often expansive or multiple. And rugged jersey spine, which is osteosclerosis. Further bone deposition occurs with chondrocalcinosis in the articular tissues, soft tissue calcification, and nephrocalcinosis. Can also get the periosteal reaction. On a bone scan, you can have a super scan in secondary.
but not in primary hyperparathyroidism. A short fourth metacarpal is associated with Turner's disease and often seen on the x-ray with a madelung deformity. Other causes of short metacarpals include pseudohyperparathyroidism and pseudo-pseudohyperparathyroidism. Bone infarction and sickle cell disease can cause the same appearance, which is a post-dactylitis. And as always, infection and trauma should be considered. The most common abnormality of a short metacarpal, though, is idiopathic. Reactive arthritis is also known as Reiter's syndrome, and that consists of arthritis, non-gonococcal urethritis, and conjunctivitis. It tends to affect young men. You also have sacroiliitis, which tends to be bilateral and asymmetrical, which is the same as psoriatic arthritis. In the appendicular joints, you have ill-defined marginal erosions, and areas of fuzzy bone proliferation. You tend to have more involvement of the feet, but otherwise it looks exactly the same as psoriatic arthritis. The disease is usually self-limited, resolves within six months, but may require NSAIDs or steroid injections. Charcot's joint is most commonly caused due to diabetic neuropathy, but other causes include syphilis, which is known as tapes dorsalis, Syringomelia, typically in the shoulder, elbow and wrist. Alcoholism, which affects the first metatarsal phalangeal joint and the interphalangeal joints of the foot. And a myelomeningocele, which affects the ankle and intertarsal joints. Syphilis, known as tapis dorsalis, will typically affect the spine, hip, knee and sometimes the ankle. Charcot's joints are typical of a number of Ds. Deformity, destruction, increased density, debris, dislocation. Features of ankylizing spondylitis include bilateral symmetrical sacroiliitis, squaring of the vertebra, syndesmophyte formation, which leads to bamboo spine, calcification of the discs intervertebrally and ossification of the anterior longitudinal, posterior longitudinal, interspinous and supraspinous ligaments. You can get kyphosis and facet joint fusion as well as fusion in other bones or ankylosis. On the lateral radiograph, Erosion of the anterior superior corner of the vertebra is known as a Romana sign, and on MRI it looks like a shiny corner sign. Other bones can be involved, often the symphysis pubis or ischial tuberosities. You can get asymmetrical erosive oligoarthritis, atlantoaxial dislocation, and generalised osteoporosis. If there is any hint of trauma, then you need to always look for a fracture as the bamboo spine can break either at the syndesmophytes or in the posterior elements.